Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the From the Back Tees podcast, a podcast from the Back Tees. I'm your co-host, Jerry Lou, and with me, as always, is the founder of FromTheBackTees.com and our other co-host and other half on this podcast, Zach Penzer. Zach, how are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, ready for uh, our first double episode of the week. How about you? I'm all right. Don't nobody worry about me. What do you want to get started with uh, in terms of uh, straight off the top? Uh, I got a we got a Twitter question we picked out, and uh, you got your Canadian fun fact of the day. I hope, and uh, I got my my uh, Jerry Lou's mother's golf question of the week. We'll uh, we'll work on that uh, in terms of a title, yeah, and maybe the sponsors. Which, by the way, this is brought to you by Super Stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's brought to you by them. <laughs> Super stroke. Yeah, right. Anyways, um, <laughs> we just had the uh, Zurich New Orleans champion, uh, classic championship, whatever that was. Fun, like with the music intros and the uh, the teams. I said, don't sleep on Stallings and Molinax. Those are two very, very sneaky players. Uh, did you watch much of it this weekend? I did not watch a single minute of it. How about you? I didn't only for sake of I... I've hit a stretch of a lot of work lately where I have been working 36 holes a day for about, I'm on day four or five of that in a row. Actually, I only worked 18 today, and uh, which meant I got to go home and do chores. That's, that's, you know, that's I, a lot of golf. It's in, and, and not to, to boot the, um, the winds lately. We've had beautiful, clear, sunny skies lately, decent temperatures. But normally, on average, the wind at Bandon Dunes Golf Resort, any time of year, if it's up, it blows 20 to 30 miles per hour. I don't have the metric conversion. I'm sorry. But these past couple days, it was like 30 to 40 miles per hour, gusts up to 50. Some of you guys, if you follow me at Looper one on Twitter, you will see that video I just posted yesterday out on the 16th green, which is the southern bluff of the property. And that flag, I mean, it was to a point where my golfers were trying to talk to me and either I was yelling, I can't hear you or I have to walk a certain direction because I was going to blow away or fly away. Or even at one point, one guy duffed it into the cliff on 16. And when he took his drop, I just kind of like gave him his clothes. And I just was like, uh, JP, I gotta, I'm walking away, man, because like one gust of wind and I slipped the wrong way. I'm actually falling into the cliff that we joke about falling in. So, so I, have, I didn't get to watch much golf, caught some at the Caddyshack. Caught enough on social media, like uh, seeing Poston's caddy. Um, oh God, I just saw his name. This is gonna. Uh, oh God, I just saw his name on Twitter a couple hours ago. He he did some karaoke, introducing his man. Um, I guess one of the things is from a fan's perspective and my point of view is I want to know what. It's really. I mean, we saw Fleetwood Garcia. I think that was almost obligatory because they seemed to be the only uh, Euros in the field, even though they weren't, but... Yeah, I don't know. I also found the winning team of Rom and Palmer. Was that, like, the weirdest combination of two guys? Do they have any history together? I didn't think they did. Well, I well, save for Sergio Garcia and them being from the same country and having the same fiery personalities and uh, also being good Ryder Cup, I think I'm sure they played together at some point, uh... Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I didn't look this up prior, but who would be Rom's good teammate? Yeah, I, don't I mean, know. that's a good question. I think that also some goes European, down... you think? Well, I'm see. I don't. I have no idea. I think it goes along the lines with golfers like Rory and DJ, 
are golfers who also, I saw this on Golf Digest, there was a piece a couple months ago, and uh, players who would benefit without having a caddy, and players who would not, who would like die out there without their man or woman. And essentially, they said like guys like DJ, guys like Rory, they're kind of on autopilot. You know, anyone could be their caddy, and they're probably going to still shoot 70, 69. It's not going to, their performance is not going to be dictated off of comfort or familiarity with their jock. But, uh, but then you got guys like Pat Perez, where Pat's a great guy, great golfer, but he essentially sits there and waits for his caddy to do all the work and then not, excuse me, not do all the work. And I forget his caddy's name. I've heard it before. There's so many names to remember. But he essentially will tell, like, he'll just hand a six iron to Pat Perez and be like, hey, high cut, right side. His caddy and, crunches right the numbers. And Pat will and Pat'll just be like, thank you. Grab the club and just go try to execute. That's, so, yeah. I mean, I mean Pat's, on, Pat's on the record as saying, like, yeah, if I didn't have my caddy, I would just be out there, like, after two holes, I'd, like, probably, like, quit. I'd just pull my pants down and be like, Mommy! And just, like, run off. I mean, and, and Pat's a very lucid, funny guy. He does good commentary. He plays good golf. He has the, some of the best takes in golf, if you think about it. I mean, you've seen some of his stuff. Yeah, he's definitely, uh, he's got some hot takes there. And, ladies and gentlemen, I also apologize if the auto, audio quality is bad. We're going to try and keep this to a teeny, twisty 45-minute uh, episode because when we wrapped our last time we recorded, as Zach and I were doing the post-show uh, chat, we uh, the Skype uh, just terminated, just like that. So we're hoping to still find a better way to do this. Yeah, we might be uh, moving to Google Hangouts for the next one. Yeah, fair enough, because uh, I'm watching you on the screen right now via Skype, and everything looks fine, but it looks like you're going in slow motion. Oh, that's and well, not that we've had any pauses or like poor connections or whatever. Oh, also good news. I'm getting a second internet line because uh, funny side story about this local crap hole that I live in uh, in this area in Oregon. There's one internet company, or at least that's who we got who, who we got our internet through. They said they were the only ones, and they said the internet just sucked around here. Well, a door-to-door internet salesman from another company came by, and when he told me a couple, when I asked him a couple questions, he kind of looked at me like that was absurd to be like, no, the internet isn't bad up here. I'm like, I know, it's the 21st GD century. You can't sit here and tell me like, oh, you just never have clean water up here. This is in Afghanistan. This is America. Come on. Maybe so we'll have great connection then. I'll be getting, well, that line will be dedicated 100% to um, uh, the media center in terms of like streaming. Uh, my girlfriend and I watch a lot of MLB TV pretty much constantly the best. and uh, stuff like that. So yeah. So if we dedicate one modem to that and then the other modem can just be for like Christ. I mean, it's just uh, my, uh, my phone, her phone and the, and the, the tablet that I'm using right now when we, when we need it. So, so anyways, folks, we apologize for any of the audio inconvenience. And we want to thank also before we get out of hand, Michigan sports and entertainment, hopefully, we're still, you know, their golf platform. I mean, they're a great platform. I, I love following them on Twitter. I've, I've tried to actually cut down who I've been following on Twitter, and it's none of you guys. It's not like I dropped any of you guys who've been following me or that I give the followbacks to. But I realized, like, I, I, I stopped following Dustin Johnson. I did. There's there's a lot of people who don't tweet for themselves. There's a lot of people who don't have, like, I don't think I follow Tiger Woods, honestly. Yeah, well, he doesn't tweet for himself. And and why would I? I've seen the things he tweets. They're nice updates or whatever, but it's like, but if it's news news, we're going to get it somewhere else. And if it's something personal, see, and that's why I like when I went and looked at the history and when I followed people, Justin Thomas, I only started following recently because I forgot. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a guy who has Twitter right in his pocket and he uses it. Oh, he's great. And happy birthday yeah, to him. It's his birthday. What are you going to do? Oh, it is? Oh, nice. Oh, also, shout out to my, my father. He had a birthday yesterday and 
easy to remember because Hal Sutton has a birthday uh, on the 28th of April as well. How so, is that? But for your- how does that make it easier to remember? Because <laughs> I don't remember Hal my Sutton's dad, birthday. My my father my father really liked Hal Sutton, and they <laughs> have the same birthday. They had the same like they're the same exact age, like same birthday, same year. You have to remember Hal Sutton's birthday though now. Well, the embarrassing thing, but it worked out for me for years, was I always thought my dad's birthday was March 28th. So I'd always give him a phone call on March 28th, and his birthday was April 28th. So that really got me out of hot water accidentally, but I still look like an idiot, so. Yeah, no, I, I'm i pretty sure I still think my mother's birthday is the wrong day. I found that out when I was in the car with her, and you know when you call like the credit card companies and there's a security question? So I'm oh. in the car with her, and it's on speakerphone, they're like, what's your mother's birthday to get through? And I'm like, June 8th. And they're like, yeah, that's right. And she just looks at me with, like, disgust that that wasn't her birthday. (laughs) (laughs) But at least I remembered the same day. Oh, that's so great. Where it's just, like, your security questions, like, what's your dog's first name? You're like, Rover. But then your sister's just like, no, it was Sparky. You're like, crap, I got to put Rover there every time. It was. (laughs) Yeah. So now her birthday's been moved. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, I like that. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I love getting off track there. But um, uh, who could play with Rom? Uh, I, I don't, like I said, like with the DJ and the caddy thing, uh, who could play with Rom? I don't think it matters. I think that guy is, for, for all the pitfalls that we put upon him and all the antics that we see from him or whatever, the kid's really young and he's really good. And I don't even care if he says he's working on it or he is or isn't working on it. As we've seen... Jeez, how old is he? 24? 25? I, I mean, 25, he's and he's won his first three years on tour. What's he ranked in the world right now? Top 10 at least. Top he's 10, like four, yeah. Six. After this Justin win, Thomas, he probably moved up a bit. But. Justin Thomas is fifth in the world. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, I could look at my phone right now, but I refuse. So, uh, so is there anything else you want to talk about with New Orleans? I mean, because that's... Uh, my favorite city, I, Go Saints. By the, oh, of course. Uh, but... but we can ruminate on New Orleans for a second because I've never been and it's one of the places I'd love to go. But am I the only person, and it's not because I'm not a Tiger guy, I guess I have to embrace that, everybody who's been calling me on Twitter, which is fine, just because I'm not a Tiger man. Well, doesn't mean I'm anti-Tiger, but I guess I have to act like it now. I can play heel. You know, The Rock was Rocky Maivia, and he was a heel. And even when he was The Rock, he was a heel. And he was still the most popular SOB in, in uh, WWF history. So yeah, Embrace it. Exactly, but um. Anyway, sorry. About that. <laughs> look at the look at the um, shirt I, I'm rocking though, for the occasion. Yes, Zach is wearing the tiger's back. Oh, also, real quick, shout out to my mom. She sent me a picture and video of her receiving her from the back tees hat. She oh, says yeah. it fits a little big, but she's uh, got a nice medium sized head. And oh, uh, perfect. Because most of us got big bulbous heads, and that's why you know things run large or whatever. But um. But yeah, I'm sorry. Going back to like, I'm not even if I'm not a Tiger man. Sorry, everybody. I feel like I still have Masters Hangover. I mean, I had to unfollow an account the other day. Um, I'm not gonna say who they are because I don't promote that. But because they still kept saying like every morning they were announcing Tiger won the Masters, and I'm sure they made a declaration saying if Tiger wins the Masters, I'm gonna announce every day for 30 days that Tiger won the Masters. And I'm like, yeah, that's cute. But after I kept looking, but that's the tweet. I'm just like unfollow. Sorry. I if I don't. I'm full of BS, and I don't have time for BS. I mean, it's I'm a walking contradiction, ZP. What do you say? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Tiger won the Masters, so I feel like we should just keep talking about it. <laughs> well, we so can, and uh, and I, you know what? I should have reached out to Nolan before this because 
he and I were tweeting about, he's, uh, remember when he asked, do you ever have post-recording anxiety or blues or whatever, like thinking what you could have said? I'm like, yeah, but luckily in my head, I was kind of thinking to myself, well, Zach and I do this enough that we can, if I really want to get it out, we can do it next week or whatever. But I was thinking to myself what he meant by that. And I know exactly what it meant by that because I thought of some of the things he didn't say too. Where I'm like, oh yeah, there was this stat too and there was this thing too. But I mean, we just had so much stuff to talk about. I just listened to the No Laying Up Masters Recap podcast. It finally just came through on my iTunes and I still downloaded it and listened. That's how still like I'm like plugged into the Masters I am. I mean, did I just, I'm Allison, I just fell down the rabbit hole. I mean, I'm just stuck in time. I mean, is that the right book? Did I get that correct? <laughs> I actually think it is the right book. I'm no, really but I know she that. got stuck in time. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I know she so, falls down the rabbit hole. So, uh, did, what is the, um, what's the tournament this week coming up? I think it's the Wells Fargo Championship. Oh, that's right. That, there's a reason why I didn't look, because, and we can say what we will about our opinions on politics or business or whatever, but when it comes to the financial institution, I, I'm not a big fan, but I try to be friends with a lot of people that I meet or not, not brown nosing or anything, but if you've seen the movie The Big Short, it's kind of the fiscal situation in America is kind of sad, but it's not like the bank's fault. It's one of those things where it's like, no, no, they're not crooks, they're stupid. But you're like, yeah, but how can somebody be that stupid? They must be crooked. Yeah, but no, they're just stupid. It's like a snake eating its own tail and it choked on itself. But I know, like, I meet a lot of fiscal guys and maybe the reason why they like me is because right off the bat they say, hey, I know you get a lot of ire from a lot of people. I'm a fan. Like, if I have a kid... In the crib, there could be a soccer ball and a golf club in there, but I'm also going to put an abacus right next to the him or her. And once they figure that out, they're going to TI-86, and they're going to like numbers because, I mean, I'm sorry. If I had another life to do it over again, I'd be a fiscal analyst, or I'd at least try to. I wouldn't sell out. I'm just saying analytics and numbers and statistics are in everything. Or at least if you want to approach something properly, you need to look at demographics and statistics. And if you ignore that stuff, you're high and dry. So Preach. Wait, so what is this? Besides the fact that the tournament's called the Wells Fargo, is that that was just the rant that you're not going to watch because it's named after a bank? Or you are going to watch? Cause... Wells Fargo is the one banking entity. I'm sorry if we have some fans that work for them. It's not a personal slight against you. I mean, I have a bank, a regional bank in Colorado uh, offered me a job and I kind of laughed at him. I'm like, ah, you, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> no, but... Um, Wells Fargo is the one bank that in terms of what I know personally, I've seen it myself and I know a lot about like what in terms of America and the banking system, Wells Fargo are the biggest A wipes in the business. I mean, every bank has a little level, of, a certain level of slime or a certain color or a certain stench. Wells Fargo is just like, like got their head up their ass and down in the sewer. They, they're just the worst and coincidentally, that's my excuse for not knowing what the tournament is coming up. But what, do you know um, where the venue is? I mean, what the venue is? Uh, I could tell you. I only saw just now that it's there because now it's sort Sorry, of like good, a low period. Good pot, everybody. I am, I'm looking it up on my phone right now as yeah, well. Yeah. So. Come on. Don't expect too much out of us. <laughs> I'm still looking at John Rahm and Ryan Palmer. Oh, Garcia and Fleetwood took second uh, handily. I mean... I thought that was kind of a comic, not, not a comical, but kind of a cliche pairing. But what are you going to do? So, tea times. Here we go. No, that's still. Why am I stuck on Zurich? The one time I actually. Oh my god. North Carolina. North Carolina. Is that a question mark or just the start of a description? No, that was the start <laughs> of a description. <laughs> for once, for once, I wanted to actually give me 
Well, wait, today's only Monday. Forgive me. Oh, God, see, that's, I don't even know what day of the week it is, folks. That's I'm why we're doing going, it why early. Why does it keep giving me the leaderboard? That's, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. We're doing a pre-research of this upcoming tournament. Yeah, you know what? I need to pump my brakes. We don't need to talk about this. What would you like to talk about right now, Zach? <laughs> no, that was, a, that was a good talking point. I guess it's also a good time to point out that each week, our first episode of the week, or I guess, would you consider this our first episode of the week or second episode of the week? Why don't we just do it? Why don't we just do episodes as we see fit and try to do two a week, or at least, yeah, or at least one a week? Honestly, because I mean, like you said, you've been under the weather. I've been slammed at work lately, and this is my one half day I have right now. So I mean, okay. Well, for all intents and purposes, this is our not statistical episode where we don't talk about the upcoming tournament, and then we do one before that. Hey, that's a good idea. So we'll do uh, episode one. Will just be us vamping, and then episode two will be. Um, the analytics portion of the future of what is the near future of mostly just PGA Tour or golf. Basically. And also, Zach, aren't you going to get us, you got us some interviews, right, coming up? I mean, we're going to splice them in. Uh, who do you got yeah. on deck? Hopefully, hopefully we're going to get some with some of the Canadian golfers who, let's say, they're on the PGA Tour, so you guys could take your guesses at who it's going to be. It's not Curtis Luck, though. It's not Curtis Luck. That's a real shame. Uh, I'm tuning out right now. I mean, no, I'm yeah, kidding. <laughs> and then we're working on some other interviews. I guess I don't want to say their name just in case they don't do it or they might not like being. Well, uh, I mean, isn't most of it found on the website in terms of, I mean, you've, uh, have you posted any of the interviews so far? No, no, we haven't posted any new ones. Oh, these are the extra ones you told me about. Oh, forgive me. Cause I remember right when I jumped on with you back in the, December 19th, you had just bagged another interview with uh, another Canadian fella. Oh, yeah, that's and... on the website, Jared Dutois. Yeah, Jared, that's right. And uh, I, I didn't know, I saw his name written out on, on paper in my head. And I didn't know how to pronounce it. I'm like, oh, it's one of those French Canadians. Oh, this is going to look bad. He's so, not French Canadian, uh, though. I made that mistake, too, in the interview. Is he just straight up he's, French? Or... He's actually South African, his family. Oh, no! He's Canadian, but his family's from South Africa. I think he was oh, from Saskatchewan. Gross. gross. Sorry. Sorry, South Africans or anyone who's an Ernie Elsberry player fan, but gross. I think we're look, good. I'm not saying, I'm not, no, look, I'm not saying subscribe to South African news, but uh, you want to talk about like all the stuff that we're giving white people trouble for in this country for stuff that happened 150 years ago? It's going on right now in South Africa. And it's tipping right now to where the blacks are destroying the whites. And the whites deserve every single... Pe- I'm, you know, I don't want to get into it because I'm sure there's two sides of the story. But no, not this one. Like, it, it all started with apartheid. I mean, everyone crack a book. It is... South Africa is terrible. I mean, like I said, I love Ernie Ells and Gary Player. Like, you know, just a couple good, good apples don't mean anything, but... Oh, or Louis Oosthuizen, who he's, I don't know, he's a fascist. That guy's cost me so much money because even... <laughs> That's uh, why you ate him. Will Kramer, uh, Captain Kramer uh, on, uh, on on Twitter, uh, at Earth Curves, he, I caddied for him earlier this year, he said it best, there was a, God, I can't look it up right now, but I'm going to mess it up, but uh, Dave Fulton uh, posted a video of uh, Louis Oosthuizen's swing, and it had to be something from not too recently because the visor was something of not... Like a current visor, uh, it wasn't like because really, if people wear visors, it's the tour. Well, anyways, uh, but but uh, Will said something to the degree of with a swing like that, how come this guy didn't win many more majors, and how the mental factor comes into play? I don't want to say what he said because I'm going to butcher his quote, but uh, 
But there's a degree of it's like, yeah, Louis Oosthuizen, smoothest swing ever. Ernie Els, South African, smoothest swing ever. Retief Goosen was Ernie Els two like Ernie Els light. Like he was the same exact guy who won. Gosh, two U.S. Opens and didn't he win like a British Open or something? Goosen. Yeah, I think he might have actually. I'm looking that up right now, but uh, anyways, um, I'm sorry that was my, that was my boo on tasing. South Africa. But I've been live long enough to see South Africa like essentially get put on trial and seeing them get like really drake drug over the coals for it legally and illegally alike. And I'm not saying it's nice to sit back and see somebody else suffer, but right wrongs are getting righted and injustices are getting like you know the vengeance is being served and. I don't know. There's a lot of parts of history that aren't told because they're embarrassing. I mean, I don't know. Anyways, let me look up... Uh, I was just thinking Louis. on Louis Oosthuizen. Has anyone... I always see people ranting on Twitter of him losing the money. Has anyone ever won money with Louis Oosthuizen? That's the real question. Well, what would you... Be, you would you would have to bet him to make cuts or or you'd have to bet him to bomb like me saying Paul Casey was trending at the Masters and then he laid that freaking egg before the cut. I mean, that would have been one of those like Paul Casey to miss the cut 10 to 1. I mean, it's like, well, yeah, but who would just, unless you're a monkey throwing a dart at a board, who would pick that one? Who would see that one coming? Everyone who hates Louis Oosthuizen probably should have. They'd all be rich. Okay, sure, but that's, oh, we're talking about a sub-sub-sect of like, like, like real degenerate gamblers here. I mean, we're not like talking about those Tiger, the Tiger crowd who would be sit there and be like, every major, every year, I put $100 in Tiger Woods regardless. There's tons of people who do that. And there's also a comma thrown in there and a lot more zeros. I mean, just because they like Tiger. I mean, Vegas spins off of that fuel of just stuffing cash into that gas can. It's just the way it goes. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, Retief Goosen has two majors, the 2001 U.S. Open and 2004 U.S. Open. Oh. And I remember that 2001 U.S. Open was at Southern Hills, Oklahoma. A lot of fun because uh, Mark Brooks was in the uh, clubhouse at like even or one under par or something. Don't tweet me. I know I'm off by a couple strokes, but that's not the point of the story. He was in changing his shoes and like on his cell phone telling his wife, if, like, you know, he'll be on the flight or whatever. And Retief Goosen and Stuart Sink, thank God Stuart got his uh, got his major uh, later against uh, old man Tom Watson. But uh, he, they both approached the hole a couple shots ahead of Mark Brooks, and Stuart Sink proceeded to four-putt the final hole to get a six or something. And he, like, of his, his four-putt, three of the putts were, like, within five feet at the end. Like, it was just like, rah, rah, rah. It, I mean, he didn't go that fast. It was just, like, straight by, straight by. Like, he, each time he had a five-foot putt, he hit, like, 25 feet worth of putt. Just like, burr, 10 feet, burr, 10 feet, burr. I mean, and so he finished, like, it, and I'm, this is the proverbial, even par. Brooks was in there talking to his wife on the cell phone in the clubhouse, literally changing his shoes because the camera was running up to him. And he was at one under. And Goosen proceeds to three-wiggle the final hole to shoot to finish it one under and they're saying like hey mark you gotta stick around for the playoff tomorrow mark's like oh hey honey whatever and like like sink was about ready to blow his brains out goosen just like his shoulders were slumped it was terrible and then as any proper u.s open playoff goes they go out there the next day and goosen shoots like one over and brooks shoots six over and for goosen the like the like the the cloaked klingon vessel that he is to just sneak up real quickly swing it exactly like Ernie Els, like he, that's why I said he was Ernie Els light. I mean, and Ernie Els, in my opinion, will always have the finest swing in all of golf. Yeah, that's, that sort of brings me on a slight tangent. What are your thoughts on the fact that the U.S. Open got rid of the 18 hole playoff? It's, 
it makes sense, unfortunately, because it's one of those things where it's it's very much like how when Jason Day won at the Farmers a couple of years ago down in San Diego, um, there was a playoff, and I actually, because I get free tickets every year to the Farmers uh, for being a veteran, they uh, said on Monday, I'm like, hey, even if they just play one hole or just like, you know, do one putt or whatever, suspended, whatever, wouldn't it be fun to be part of the dozen or two people who drove out there and parked and like walked through the stands or whatever, just see 10 minutes of golf to see Jason Day win the tournament? And the Century Club of San Diego, I don't mind saying the name because half of them is really good at hospitality, like really white glove treatment. The other half is very lacking and falls short with availability and and uh, and uh, uh, variety of things. But that being said, they didn't allow the crowds to watch. And, and it was for a lot of reasons logistically. I get that. Like everyone has to go back to work. You know, people have to travel back to the next tournament, yada, yada, yada. There's several things. And playing 18 holes, even though it, in my opinion, much like my favorite play in baseball, or one of my top two favorite plays in baseball, is the uh, play at home plate. That's actually, uh, yeah, that's my favorite, yeah, the the the, uh, the close call at home plate. It's, it's the purest form of sport, in my opinion, where, and especially at the U.S. Open, where you have the hardest conditions. You've just gotten your nuts kicked up to your throat four days in a row, unless you're really accurate or really slaying the course. And then for the playoff, which in my opinion, all playoffs should be sudden death. I just like it that way. Like you finish right then, you just keep playing until it's dark, keep sudden deathing it. The 18 hole playoff, grizzly. You want to talk about like it's it's like uh, it's like American Ninja Warrior meets Seal Beach, where it's just kind of like okay, like like that's why the Rocco Tiger 18 hole playoff was so majestic, especially knowing what you know about how Tiger's career progressed for the next 11 years after that and how Rocco's coming out saying like, yeah, basically I was a drunk. And I'm like, yeah, well, we got eyes, Rocco. I mean, it was a playoff of a playoff that. Yeah, that too. I mean, there's, there's, I, I've read the U S open book several times and I forget so many times how many playoffs. And, yeah. It's just so many. So what is it now? It's two holes. Now it's two holes. Yeah. One of the things I'm for though, which no one's going to agree with me on is that after the tournament ends, if it goes to a playoff, they should just keep playing in the dark. If you lose, you lose. Um, I would have to, I would have to do my best to research if they ever played in the dark back in the day. Or I if guess they, they did. Well, I, I would assume they did. Like way back in the day, you're things. saying. Well, what I'm saying is the notion of it doesn't matter if it's uh, the year 17. 19 or 2019 i feel like the same amount of people who want to golf in the dark would and it's like glowing golf golf balls aside that that's stupid if anyone yeah glowing golf balls are fun if we're all playing them and we're all screwing around but they literally like you may as well play a range ball in terms of like performance i know it's not about performance but it's like well it's too gimmicky then it'd be like if you had to drive at night and you had like real special headlights so you could only go 20 miles an hour it's just like well screw that i'm not driving at night then yeah that's that i get but for the golf, I feel like it gets dragged out, and the worst is when it's like a big event, and it, what was it with Casey and, uh, or it was with Mickelson, who was it, Mickelson and someone, where they went, they didn't play the last hole at night, and then they come back in the morning, like eight in the morning for one hole. Well, they've, to, nah, not to be a one-upper, but as long as we do it for golf, I think we should accept it in this forum. I don't remember which year, but Scott Hoke, who was renamed Scott Choke, he had a similar situation at the Masters where... He had like a three and a half, four foot putt, and he claimed darkness. It wasn't getting that dark, but he just claimed, he's like, I can't read the putt. And I think it was like on the first hole of a sudden playoff. 
Like he already screwed. He like either hit it to that same spot earlier on the seventy second hole and screwed up the putt to like like stumble into the playoff or whatever. And I forget I forget who it was against. I think it was uh, Sandy Lyle or Ola Fobble or something like that. But essentially, Scott Hoke wearing his big Yonix hat or whatever said, "Oh, it's too dark. I can't see the putt." So they suspended play. Went on to the next morning to essentially reset up the Masters for a three and a half foot putt, and the MFR misses it and loses the Masters. That's a savage and, move. But you know what was even better? I mean, because Scott Hoke's given a lot of crap for that, and rightfully so. Oh, you know what? I think I'm getting it mixed up with a Hubert Green story, or um, or not, not the Doug Patterson story. But there was I. I think it might have been Scott Hoke, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, tweepers on on this, but uh. I, there was a story like this where the guy went back when everyone was gone and hit that same putt like three times in a row, and they like missed burning the edge three times in a row. Essentially, they walked away saying like, "Wasn't mine to be. Wasn't mine ever to be. Just like wasn't meant to be. Like goodbye." <laughs> and if it was Scott Hope, that makes it glorious because I mean, I think he has like one Ryder Cup appearance. And hey, you know what? I let's bring him back out of the dead here, Wikipedia. Let's see what Scott Hope's uh, performances are in golf professional golfer he's got to be old or something i mean he's 63 let's see he he finished second in the masters in 89 so yep that was the year uh, whoever won in 89 he's taken two tied for fifths in the u.s open as his best finish uh, in 93 and 02 and also the british open in 02 he tied for eight that was his best and they tied for third of the pga championship in 87 varden trophy 86 byron nelson award 86 Anyway, Scott Choke, looking up his majors here, he's got my stars. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Fifteen top tens in the majors. Not too shabby. Scott, not too choke. Not too much <laughs> of a choke. Like that's like calling Chucky three sticks a choke artist. I mean, yeah. So, what do you uh, what do you want to address next here? Uh, I guess we could go into the questions first. I guess we'll uh, shout out to people listening to subscribe and rate five stars, so we could start appearing up there. You know, with the other golf podcasts. Yeah, and absolutely. Send in any suggestions you got, and we can move on to some questions. So we got. Um, let's see. I mean, we got. I got. Let, let's do the Twitter question right now, so I'm not stalling here. This question comes from CB at Bairdy's C72, and this question mostly just pertains to me here. Zach, why don't you get it in front of you? I got. It in front yeah, of exactly. Me. I'll read it out to you. So the Go question ahead. is: Why is Pacific Dunes so hard to score at? And the uh, CB says, "I've played every course multiple times and broke 80 easily in okay conditions, but get crushed every time by Pacific." Humble brag. Humble brag. <laughs> well, that being said, um, Pacific Dunes is much like uh, the Mormon Tabernacle in Salt Lake City, where it is incredibly hard to score. But if you say the right things to her... No, I'm kidding. Um, the, oh, that, we was, have so, that, was, that was looking good there. Nate, I have a lot of Mormon friends. I would not want to make fun whatsoever, even though they have a great sense of humor. I've been and to also, the Mormon temple. It crushes. I've heard some uh, pretty uh, <clears throat> wild enough things from non-Mormon folks about non-Mormon behavior in Salt Lake City. So uh, I was not besmirching anything. 
So to catch people up, Bend Dunes Golf Resort, we have four golf courses out there, soon to be five. Pacific Dunes was our second installment, built in 2000, or opened in 01 or 02. Pretty sure it's 01. I know I was there, but if you look at some books or publications, it'll say 02. Anywho, of all the golf courses we have, Pacific Dunes, to me, has always been the most beautiful and always the most challenging. Architect Tom Doak is notorious for just essentially cutting out the rough and the fairways and the greens and the tees, but just leaving everything else, leaving the bunkers natural, leaving the landscape natural. He doesn't move sand around. He doesn't move hills around much if he doesn't have to. He leaves trees. He leaves bushes. He keeps it very natural. Pacific Dunes is a picturesquely most beautiful course. Abandoned Dunes Golf Resort, it ranks as the highest amongst the ladies because they have way far up tees, so they don't have to deal with a lot of the bullshit that we do from the green tees, which that's how our tees go. Black for the tips, then greens, which are normally like your blues, then orange. No, orange is the, excuse me, let me start over. Black tips, greens, standard, golds, and then orange or reds, whatever you call them, and then blue for juniors. So anyways, Pacific Dunes, when I used to work there back in the day, we just had Banner Dunes, Pacific Dunes, and Pacific Dunes is always to me the superior course in every regard, yet it was always harder. It was always hard, like, but everyone, nobody ever said bad things about it. Nobody ever stopped playing it. It was, as I always say, the hot chick who you see her every night, Friday night at the bar. Not every night, just every Friday night, 7 p.m. You see her down at the end of the bar. You're just like, all right, here we go. And you don't approach her, but you send a drink her way. And it's, she gets the drink without even looking at you, just sits there, and just drains the whole thing, and sets the glass back down, and just keeps looking straight ahead. And then you sit there and go like, ha-ha, all right, I'll try again next Friday. That's exactly what Pacific Dunes is. It's the hot chick that ignores you, but you just can't let her go. And really, aside from the layout being really difficult and 10 out of the 18 holes playing wind in your face with four out of the last five holes playing downwind, which means in the first 13 holes you have nine holes wind in your face. It's a gauntlet. I would say the goofy thing about pack is, that's what we call Pacific Dunes, that really is super difficult, and this is nothing beyond just a weird anomaly, but I tell people, normally when you get a bounce or you roll into somewhere funky, it's a heads-tails situation if you're going to have a bad lie. Really, it's 50-50. But at Pacific Dunes, that MFing coin is a two-headed coin. When you bounce somewhere or you roll into somewhere, it's always bad. You're always in a divot. You're always in some weird, sandy, zitty, I don't know, just some kind of lie. It's just the way the course is. It, I don't... It, it's... It's almost like, I want to say, juju or karma. I, I, I don't see it happen at any other course with as much frequency as Pacific Dunes. And that, CB, is really, in my opinion, when it comes to layout or conditions or speed of greens or acreage of fairways or, or anything like that, I would say, for lack of a better word, karmically speak, karma. That's just, it's, it's, Pacific Dunes is so weird. I did caddy for a club pro out of Missouri who he shot a 68 there. It's a par 71 course. And he was on. And I remember even on the sixth hole, I misshot the yardage, which I've only done once or twice. It was like 90 yards out. And I told him 110, and it kind of cost him. He still shot three under, though. I mean, it's <clears throat> that's, that's it's a beautiful course. It's amazing. But, I mean, the wind wreaks havoc with you. Even the holes that are downwind are not easy. Like, the first three holes are wind in your face. And all of a sudden, the fourth hole is like, eh. 410 yards on average, depending on where the green tees are. And unless you can hit the ball 250 yards, not counting the wind, you have to hit it straight down the fairway. To the right is the Pacific Ocean. To the left, bunkers. That is, 
that's if you Google image Pacific Dunes number four, you'll see one of my top three favorite holes in my lifetime. Because I just, I, you just look at golfers and say like, driver straight ahead, whether the wind's in your face or behind you, just driver straight ahead. Sounds or if they're like a really accomplished golfer, give them a three wood. But and so yeah, it's like you got three holes, wind in your face, hard. Then the next hole is downwind, hard. With it being downwind, it's like, and then hole five is an easy par three if it's downwind if you like know how to play it. But then hole six, wind in your face, hard. Hole seven is the number one handicap hole, downwind, still hard. Eight, wind in your face, hard. Nine, downwind, really tight, hard. Ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, wind in your face, all four of those holes. Sounds lovely. And then you have, oh, it's a, anyways. Sorry, we, yeah, sorry, that's it, CB. Other than the two-headed coin theory. The difficulty, the natural cuts, it's just, it is by far the hardest course. I would also say Old McDonald is really difficult as well, but that's more so a course that frustrates the lower handicappers because they can never score there. But that's a course where guys like me can just go out there and, and get an 84 blindfolded. I mean, it's just really not hard, so. 84 blindfolded. Uh. I mean it, I really do. Uh, so, <clears throat> do you got a Canadian fun fact for us? I do. So, behind Paris, Montreal, where I reside, is the second largest French-speaking city. In the world? In the world. Really? That's a good one. That's impressive. I mean, so, uh, do you, I mean, dumb question, do you happen to have the list of, uh, like, are you on your, like, on your phone nearby or whatever to find the list of the... I can't tell you what's third. I could find it for you, though. Yeah, I mean, because, okay, as you're finding it, what would you guess it would be? I mean, I'm trying to be as international as I can, but it's going to be, is it going to be something weird like Portugal? But they have Portuguese in Portugal. Um, French. That's a good question. Okay, no, here, okay, here's, not, let, let's refine the question. Or I'll refine it for myself because you're looking it up. What is the city that speaks the most French after Montreal? Not what country. I mean, oh, uh, That's what it was, really- that's. That's why it's a difficult question. Because allegedly it says 99% of Montreal is bilingual. Good for Montreal. Good for, good for, those, good for oh, you guys. Oh, I should have known this. It's Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Ah, uh, that makes sense. I was starting to think to myself, you can go Caribbean, but I was trying to think, well, how many people are there? There's lots of people in Haiti. That was very ignorant of me. That's ignorant. <laughs> is that your That's South Park it- impersonation? That's ignorant, dog. No, that's that's uh, that's my how about Jackson of the Jacksons. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a hot topic now. Uh, is it though? Is it really? Allegedly. Um, all right, so we got a, we got a little bit more time. We'll wrap it up with my uh, Jerry Lou's gol- uh, mother's golf question, Twitter question of the week, and uh, it's a good one. I actually just sent it to her uh, very quickly. <laughs> Brought to you by. Um, uh, she asked me to pick one of the an answer, and Zach to pick one. I got a good answer. Hopefully, Zach has a good one as well. But she said, and I'll um, I'll read you exactly her text. It's uh, it makes pretty good sense in terms of it's not really uh, colors outside the lines. But she said, Kurt Busch from NASCAR got his ass suspended today for quote more likely than not end quote assaulting his wife or girlfriend whatever. Other than Tiger's trash being left curbside for us to examine, which golfer do you guys pick for being a very bad boy or girl? I'll go first, I guess. I feel like the easy answer here is either DJ or Paulina, whichever way you think of it. 
<laughs> so, honestly, I guess his big thing was his coke suspension. But besides well, no, that, that was that was for his. He had a, he had a bad back. Remember? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you when you when you ski that many rails and like when you throw your head back or whatever, all of a sudden it's like the golf swing. It's a, it's a kinetic motion where everything's like going one way, then it's turning, then it's stopping, then it's all going another way, then it's turning again. When you do a line, I'm sure, because I've never done one in my life before, I swear, you just sit there and all of a sudden, oh, God, get out. You throw your head back. So. Oh, so I thought you were saying that the coke was to heal his back, but now the coke was what caused the back problem. And Freudian slip be damned. Uh, let's move on to... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um... <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> well, I mean, he... He's also ten years ago. He uh, he was like uh, clipping a couple tour wives or whatever on the reg on the side, and like essentially because they're such a brotherhood. And this will lead to my answer uh, on tour. Uh, they kind of just were like, "Well, listen, we got to cover this up and stop this." But I mean, we have to nip this in the bud. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it led up to allegedly uh, DJ falling down the stairs in the Masters. You yeah. know, Haynes Sox lost a couple of stock points or Fruit of Loom or something. No, he didn't but... allegedly fall down the stairs. He was allegedly pushed down the stairs. He fell down the stairs for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's fact. We we just don't know that's, how. That's the quote of the week. That's the quote of the week right there. That's the that's the podcast title is uh He was allegedly he pushed was, Just quote allegedly pushed down the stairs. So uh so yeah, DJ's a really, really good answer. Um it's funny because like the sad thing is Elon busting Tiger in Thanksgiving of 2009 wasn't really one of those things that, like, in terms of his list of indiscretions or the things that were about to happen that were more crippling career-wise, her, like, divorcing him and him backing up his car into a fire hydrant because she was chasing him out of the house with a golf club, I mean, those really, to me, seem like just, like, you know, like, jaywalking offenses on his rap sheet, so to speak. I mean, it was his DUI or, like, his surgeries or whatever that, like, really kind of upended him because yes yes we did find out of all his uh, romantic dalliances uh because elon you know whatever but i mean well, well that's how exactly the story was gonna unfold i mean that's just that's what happens unless you unless you find out we don't know anything the extent of anything so yeah but, but I mean, uh, the one i got what's that all in all golfers they they might have these things with other people's wives but you hear about all this stuff with these football players like tyreek hill recently and all this golfers are trying to look real good well here and all here all we have here is matt kuchar just not giving people putts and stiffing mexican caddies yeah it's all that happens on the pj tour as far as we know people need to just look at the nfl a little and then you get a better perspective well kind of unfortunately in a similar light this leads to my answer where um the my my answer to her question is tommy armor the third because in the 90s especially we uh, we may a lot of you may or may not know the name Tommy Armour um, and Armour Tommy Armour Jr. Big names in golf, both father son major winners. They made the Tommy Armour Golf Clubs, the eight forty five Silver Scots that Boom Boom played. His and dad a lot of shot a twenty three on a hole. What's that? His dad shot a twenty three on a hole. That's what I learned last week. That, I remember that actually. I hadn't thought of that until now. That's funny. Yeah, good call. Anyways, uh, but Tommy Armour III, and this goes to show you the brotherhood that is the PGA Tour with all the male players. Tommy Armour III was a fringe golfer. I don't even think that he really, like, placed anywhere in the majors. I don't know how many tournaments he won. 
he mostly, I don't want to say he was, I certainly don't mean this in a bad way that he was riding off the coattails of his money or his family or his name, but he was known to roll around, and this is back in like 1999, in $1,500 pair of slacks. He had like nice haircuts, but him and his <clears throat> girlfriend at the time, whoever it was, whomever it was, were notorious for how you say being awfully domestically violent with each other, but more often than not, it would turn into like a very romantic lovers uh, went from lovers quarrel to, well went to quarrel to lovers quarrel to something hot and steamy, and they would destroy hotel rooms first out of anger then out of lust. And meanwhile, with the same seven to ten tour players greasing the palms of the hotel staff, just like handing them wads a hundred, saying like, "Don't worry about it. Yeah, you'll have to fix the room, but the, these guys are fine. Just don't worry about it." Not healthy behavior, and not even a big name on tour ever. I'm looking at his. His, you know what his best finish at the Masters was? Cut, 1990. No, no. that's surprising. I mean, well, this is how small time he is. Best finish at the U.S. Open, tied for 40th. Best finish at the Open Championship, tied for 28th. Best finish at the PGA, tied for 24th. Oh my God, his Wikipedia page has nothing. He has eight, well, two PGA Tour wins. Eight total wins uh, professionally in his career. And, oh, i got to see his major championship records here. But, yeah, folks, Tommy Armour III, he, uh, oh, my goodness. So he is, okay, he is teed it up in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. He's teed up in 15 majors and got cut in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. He got cut in over half the majors he played in. He's the anti-Tiger Woods. That's garbage. And yet he was a rich MFer, and like, and everyone protected his butt. I mean, that's just the way it goes. So, anywho, that was a uh, that was the uh, that was the question that I had. I mean, I was thinking DJ, but Tommy Armour the third was. I mean, for that isn't that just like the best, most white collar version of like what a golf's bad boy is? Is Tommy Armour the third? And when he comes in, he looks like he has a hundred dollar haircut. Because I mean, it's he, also a super white nice bad pose. Well, look at David Sims in Tin Cup. Look at Shooter McGavin in uh, in uh, Happy Gilmore. I mean, these guys are supposed to be middle-aged, white, starchy douchebags who make sure their their stupid shirts are tucked in. And much like as I saw in Caddyshack in the past couple weeks, uh, uh, Robert Stack is meant to play the young, like ambitious pro, like not pro, but like the the member at the club who's like supposed to beat Jackie Gleason. It's like Robert Stack. He's looked like he's 50 years old from birth. I mean, there's nothing young or, like, just, like, vibrant about him. It's just, hello, everybody, and on tonight on Unsolved Mystery. I mean, you get it. Oh, I see you liking Zach's, uh, Nolan's tweet. Yeah, we got Nolan's one more question. We'll go back oh, to okay. it. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, let me read it to you, then. I'm not going to read the uh, first part here. But he said, uh... Was the Zerk tag team a legitimate tournament? They hand out official World Golf Rankings FedEx points for that. Should they? Should they not? Do you know if they do? They I do. Was trying to, did, I looked okay, into like, it. Here, so, so this is John Rahm gets an official tour victory from this? Yes, you get two years exemption for the win. I think it's a legitimate tournament. There should be a purse to it because people are watching. But I think the official World Golf Rank and the FedEx points is like a huge joke. Because you have guys like Chase Kepka, who, because they're brothers with the top player oh, in the world, yeah. are now getting boosted up over all these other guys. Like, had uh, Tiger Woods had a younger brother who was a thousand in the world, he'd get to play this tournament every year with one of the best. 
Well, if he wanted to teed up with his brother, sure. I mean, yeah, that's... no, exa- I'm just using an example. Or any of these guys from like the same countries, they're getting boosted by the other guy. Like clearly, they're unless they somehow did it that every team was like equal to through world rank. Like you had the one with the worst, two with the second worst, like that. But right, good call. Well, Zach, Chase Kepka locked out is what I'm saying. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to address before we wrap this up? We're just about to hit 50 minutes, which is uh, the sweet spot. No, I guess that's all. I guess we'll be back either tomorrow or the next day for our quick preview. I think Wednesday works for me, for sure. I'm doing another 36 tomorrow, but tomorrow the weather is supposed to be cherry, like no wind. Well, less wind, but less wind will feel like no wind. So Yeah, we'll get it out Wednesday night. If anyone wants to find me, you can go to the About Me page at www.fromthebacktees.com. That's the whole nucleus and uh, that we all huddle around for warmth of this endeavor. And you can also find me primarily on Twitter at JerryLooper1, the number one. Thank you again, Michigan Sports Entertainment. And Zach... Where can they find you? You got anything else you want to say? You guys can find me at uh, at From the Back Tees and then through our website. And uh, I guess be on the lookout. We're dropping some new merch this week. So That's right. The merch. This We have a t-shirt coming up that I don't even care. Like Hot This fire. is coming from a perspective. And as a golf perspective, this is genius. This is brilliant. And this is what we call a teaser, folks. We'll talk to you soon, right? <laughs>